My next guest is an internationally acclaimed thought leader on emerging technology companies. He has been engaged in over $1 billion of transactions since 2014. That's a lot of money. Please welcome to uh, Money Making Conversation, Rashawn Williams. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I never thought I would be talking to someone with my exact same name spelled so differently. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, brother. I appreciate it. Mean, and, 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 I mean, here's the funny thing about it, Rashawn. I was in there struggling. I said, how you say the name? How you say that? He said, it's just like your name. It's just like your name. Go, exactly. It's not exactly. spelled like my name. So I was and, and we have the same beard. Maybe Absolutely. We have the same name and beard. I, I basically want to be like you. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, so, so, Mr. Williams. You got hair on your head. So, hey, we got to separate the line. You, 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 you still? Your dome got something on top. Your boy got to wear a hat. I'm barely holding on. My brother, I am barely holding on. So I'm looking at you, and I'm like, that's exactly where I want to be. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, first of all, thank you for the energy. Thank you for coming on my show. And the, the, the purpose of this show is, for, for, first of all, for you not for this not to be your only visit. Let's get that clear first. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I think that uh, this show has been great because it gives individuals who are successful a voice, a channel to come in and just communicate exactly what they're trying to do without any restrictions. You know, I'm, I'm not over here to mm-hmm. charge anybody a fee. I'm not over here to try to have any pop-ups in it. You know, you, 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 your information you're going to give is going to be translated into something else where I can make money about. Money-making conversation is mm-hmm. designed to give people an opportunity to hear successful people talk about the secrets of their success. And their success mm-hmm. is many different lanes. Your lane is different from my lane. We may, we may share yeah. the same enunciation, but we are two different mm-hmm. people in how we've accomplished our path of success. You know, and, and when, mm-hmm. I, when I talk about that, let's start at the beginning with you when you were trying to figure out who you were. How and now who you are now? I would tell people, you know, sometimes you have to look in your past to find out who you are in order to move forward. When you came out of the college, did you are you doing what you thought you would be doing? You know, no, I'm not. Um, when I came out of college, I'm from the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I'm from a pretty rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I knew for sure was that I didn't want to be broke anymore. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand anything about finance, anything about investment. So I was running away from something more so than running towards something. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was just trying to live life in some type of financially free environment mm-hmm. as opposed to the restricted environment that I grew up in. So mm-hmm. I didn't know it would lead me to here. So I went to the one place that, that everybody would go to if they wanted to learn about money, and that's Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So I left Morehouse College, went to Goldman Sachs. And that's when I learned about investing and all of my clients were billionaires and I learned how money moved and how people were out there winning. And I noticed that our community wasn't a part of it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, let me ask you this. We always talk about Wall Street and money. Do you, in order to be a participant in Wall Street, do you really have to, what is having money? Like say, what, how can you be a part of the, of the, of the game action? You know, what, what, what allows you to be a participant? How much? Yeah. So according to the government, if you want access to kind of the biggest and, and, and most profitable investment opportunities in, in the private markets, you have to be what we call an accredited investor. An accredited investor is somebody that makes over 200 grand a year or whose net worth is more than a million dollars. So those investors get access to the fastest growing private companies, which is how most people are making all of the money. Mm-hmm. After a company goes public and it's a little safer, 
then that's when the average investor, your mom and pop, gets access to it. But by that time, it's slowed down a little bit in terms of growth, and uh, and and the profit margins are are still there, but it's just not growing as quickly as possible. So, in our world, is divided by accredited investors and non-accredited investors. Right. But Wall Street is really dominated by the big institutions. So all of the pension funds, all the insurance companies, they have a trillion dollars. They have billions of dollars, and they're the ones that are making all of the big investments. And most people's retirement accounts are held with those firms. So they're kind of getting into it, but through someone else. Right, and so this is important. because First of all, what I don't do in the show is advise people where to put their money. Or mm-hmm. I just talk in general because I, because people will hold you accountable. Well, you told me, Rashawn, that stock was the way to go. And I put my mama money in there. My mom, not my daddy money, my mama money in there. Next thing you know, you, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Got to have that insurance to cover them, 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 them little faux pas. So when we were talking, like, for instance, when I invest, I've always been a nervous investor. I'm, I'm not, I got maybe like 20% in aggressive and the rest is, is uh, conservative. But they're, they're telling mm. you that certain age groups where you should be yeah. aggressive because you can recover. And then can you break down that little age group conversation about how you can look yeah. as an investor? Mm-hmm. So what's interesting, and, and you're the money moves guy, mm-hmm. your investment philosophy is exactly what billionaires do. So billionaires mostly put um, a big chunk of it, let's say, you know, 50 to 80 percent in something very conservative like bonds, yep. right, where they can mm-hmm. generate some income. Mm-hmm. But then they go all the way on the other end of the risk <laughs> spectrum and go to risky stuff like private equity mm-hmm. where they can double and triple their money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your investment philosophy is that same as the billionaires on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But what the average American does is if you're anywhere between, you know, five years to 10 years out from retirement, Mm -hmm. most of your money should be held in stocks. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. You'll get on average 10% returns every year. That's been the average for the last 100 years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Mm -hmm. If you are one to five years from retirement, you want to be in mostly bonds because it's safer, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's not as volatile. And you'll be able to get your money back. You know exactly how much and you know when. But in stocks, it's going to go up and down every year. You don't want to have that volatility when you're getting ready to retire, right? So the average allocation for someone who is five years removed from retirement or more is mostly stocks. Five years or less is mostly bonds. And then as you get closer to retirement, it, it kind of goes more you know, towards bonds away from stocks. Absolutely. Now, the thing about it mm-hmm. is that now do you look at we're just having a general conversation, not trying to pin you down on mm-hmm. anything. We're just talking about different mm-hmm. ways, how I've done my money and how I still do my money. I've looked at in, in insurance policies. Uh, I've mm-hmm. invested in those. So what are your thoughts on those? Just your thoughts, not pinning you down, because a lot of people come to different yeah. ways and say, what can I do with my money? Where should I put my money? The five plans, <laughs> you know, all these different things. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, first and foremost, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a, I'm a venture capitalist. Absolutely. So I invest in tech companies. Absolutely. So m- the world I live in is like investing in Airbnb and Spotify mm-hmm. and Pinterest mm-hmm. and Lyft mm-hmm. and Uber and stuff like that. But you know, so but you know, but you know, Mr. Williams, you get these same crazy questions I'm getting. As soon as they say investing. Yeah, I know. That's all I they know, hear. I know. Hey, excuse so me. Excuse me. <laughs> money man. Money man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But I, I do think people should have diversification. Mm-hmm. And that's in the form of insurance, have some bonds, have some stocks, 
have some private equity, own some restaurants, own some real estate. There you go. Right? So if you look at a diverse portfolio, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. The most important investment philosophy is diversification. Mm -hmm. The most important investment strategy is buy low, sell high. If you're from the streets, you already know about that anyway. I don't need to tell nobody about Mm -hmm. that. But Mm -hmm. buy low, sell high Mm -hmm. strategy, Mm -hmm. diversification Mm -hmm. philosophy. Mm -hmm. So you have to have a little bit of all of these things. Mm Mm-hmm. Now you know I I I'm telling you something, I was blown away by your bio. I was like, woo 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 woo, <laughs> and then I got down. Cap apple side. I went. Oh yes. He a yes, new. Sir. I said I'm gonna make a man. I said, oh my goodness, I have him on my show. <laughs> but I was blown away by his resume. <laughs> so I got oh, down there. Man. He a new. I said, oh no, he a new, y'all. He a new. He a new. <laughs> I love it. Man. Oh man, this, you this, know we all a part of the divine I, nine. Absolutely. Mother, so Here's the thing about it. To the Omega. Absolutely. Here's the thing about <laughs> it, you know, uh, sir. That I want to talk about because you come from a HBCU school, and uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, you know, seem to have, have. What pride do you have with the success that you have achieved coming from HBCU school? Oh man, so Morehouse was the only school I applied to. And I drove my 1982 Ford Mustang 714 miles from <laughs> Chicago to Atlanta, August the 27th, 1997. Mm-hmm. And I applied to Morehouse. I was the first person to apply. Mm-hmm. And they accepted me on the spot mm-hmm. because it was my only option. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to a school that specifically trained black men to be leaders in their community. Mm-hmm. And there was no one else who had that in their mission statement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I knew what I needed was some type of accelerator, some type of incubator that can take me, which is just raw clay mm-hmm. from the hood mm-hmm. that had potential, that was smart, mm-hmm. but was just straight up from the block. Mm-hmm. And I needed to learn basic stuff, like how to put on a suit, how to tie a tie, mm-hmm. how to eat at a dinner table, mm-hmm. how to interview, how to pause between my first and last name. These mm-hmm. are things that you don't learn in the hood, right? right. So Morehouse helped me uh, get trained in all of those areas get internships on Wall Street, develop into the man that I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm very proud mm-hmm. of coming out of Morehouse because these HBCUs are the only schools that are a safe place for us, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. And then the network that I have with Morehouse brothers all over the country mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are out doing amazing things right. has really helped accelerate my career as well, the same way other people have that Harvard network. We mm-hmm. have our Morehouse network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool to, to, to hear you say and hear how, how profound. Now, I will admit, you're from Chicago now. We all know you came from mm-hmm. the cold. I see. <laughs> see. I love the fact you came south, though. You knew. Yeah. I wasn't going to stop. Right. I wasn't going to stop in Indiana. <laughs> right. I wasn't going to stop in Tennessee. <laughs> I'm coming all the way down till I find some heat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Where my people are from. So my Absolutely. people are from Alabama and Mississippi. Absolutely. Originally, then Absolutely. they moved to Chicago Absolutely. in the early 1900s, Absolutely. you know, to work in the factories, but mm-hmm. prodigal son has returned. Absolutely. When we come back, I'm going to talk more in detail about uh, his, his, his business, his business practices, the whole technology part of his life. And he's, he's an amazing guy. He's a, he's a friend now. I'm an Omega. He a new. And guess what? We friend. Divide nine. On Money Making Conversations, my man, Mr. Williams, and I will be right back. Don't go nowhere. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to Money Making Conversations on the phone. Uh, uh, technology guru in the investment world. I'm going to call him technology guru in the investment world. Uh, Rashawn Williams, straight out of Chicago, came down south because he got relatives down here. 
because the heat was down here too. Because I spent five years in Chicago <laughs> in the winter. I'm telling you something. Mm-hmm. Chicago will make you understand about cold. Oh man, brother! Can you give me oh, one? Give, just give me one cold story before we start talking about your career in Chicago. Come on, Mr. Williams. I know I'm calling you Mr. Williams on that one because I know it's some good cold <laughs> stories. <laughs> well, I got a million of them. The one that I remember the most was I was like in fifth <laughs> or sixth grade, and it was about a negative thirty degree wind chill. So that means like if the wind touched any part of your skin, you got frostbitten, <laughs> and. I remember my mother putting all the Vaseline on my face, like I'm getting ready to go fight Mike Tyson or something, with the face mask over it, with two, three coats on, boots, everything, like I'm going skiing. Uh, and the school still, the school still didn't close, sir. The schools were still open <laughs> in Chicago with negative 30 degree wind chills. And that winter, unfortunately, I remember in the news a woman died mm. because her gas pipe, uh, her um, mm-hmm. her pipes froze mm-hmm. while she was on her knees praying. Mm. A woman died in mm-hmm. Chicago because mm-hmm. she froze to death. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I remember about Chicago. So I couldn't wait to get out of there, man. Yeah. It's too cold. Now, Chicago, no joke. I, I remember I used to, uh, I was uh, producing Steve Harvey's show, Steve Harvey uh, talk show in Chicago. And I only had mm-hmm. maybe like a, I said, a quarter mile walk. And for one day, someday it was like about, I'd say, four degrees. And mm. somehow my right eye decided to water up. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> brother. That was the wind. Come on now, that, that hawk coming in just, just slapped that right eye, the and then decided that hawk came, right. left a little water. Woo, brother! I couldn't get in that building fast enough. Man, felt like I had a little glass shield over my eye. It was something. Like that. So I just want to share everybody. Whenever I get a Chicago person on the phone, I always like them to share a cold story because people don't understand. Oh, man. When they start complaining yeah, about cold real. down here in the South. No, 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 no. Chicago got something. Yeah, it's real, down. man. And don't even go yeah, to Minneapolis. Minneapolis. They got something. Siberia over there. They got something waiting on you. Right. Let's, talk about, let's talk about you, my <laughs> friend. You, you sent me some questions about how, how people can make money in tech investing. Let's talk about that. Let's start yeah. the first question I want to start out with you there. And tell us about your company. <clears throat> So I'm a general partner at a venture capital firm called Manhattan Venture Partners, mm-hmm. and we invest in late-stage tech companies. Mm-hmm. So late-stage means they're already billion-dollar companies, they're already doing hundreds of millions in revenue, and they're pretty much household names. Mm-hmm. So it's been working out great for us. You know, In 2017, we invested in companies like Spotify, DocuSign, Lyft, Pinterest, Postmates, Airbnb, SoFi. Rent the Runway. These are names that people already use and, and already big fans of, stuff like DraftKings and SpaceX. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is um, Silicon Valley is creating these companies, and they're monetizing pop culture. They're monetizing celebrity. They're monetizing all of the things we used to do physically. Now it's software for it. Mm-hmm. But most of us have been blocked out to having ownership in those companies because we're either not accredited investors or we don't know any VCs that we can invest with. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing is, in addition to working with my billion-dollar you know, investors, I also open up access to our athletes and entertainers or the people in our community who are accredited investors mm-hmm. and help them co-invest with, with all of the winners out here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And there are three main categories of tech. I think most people don't, don't know this, but 
the safest category is called late stage. That's the billion dollar companies, right? Mm-hmm. The N- name a few of those. Category, name a few of those. Name of late stage. That, that, that's the Spotify's and the DocuSigns yes, mm-hmm. and the Drag Kings mm-hmm. of the world that I mentioned before. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're mm-hmm. already worth billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. private. Mm-hmm. They're going public in the next one to three years. In mm-hmm. fact, Spotify and DocuSign are both already public, including mm-hmm. Lyft. Mm-hmm. But the next category under that is growth stage. So think about the favorite company you have that is still private, that's growing in this area, but maybe it's not known nationally or globally, mm-hmm. right? So we have companies like that that are worth between, you know, $25 million and, and $200 million mm-hmm. that will be the next billion-dollar company. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's a little riskier, but it's not as risky as this third category, which is what we call startups or early stage. So that's just someone's idea on a PowerPoint presentation, and they need money to get it off the ground. Mm-hmm. That typically takes seven to 10 years and only one out of 10, maybe one out of 20 make it. Mm-hmm. So it winds up being the riskiest part of investing in tech as opposed to late stage, which is what we would consider the safest mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of investing in tech. Mm-hmm. So I try to educate people. I do it on my Instagram and social media account, explaining the differences, helping founders raise money, helping investors make good investments. Now, in the process, there's trust there. So you have to get a track record. Yeah. How did you build your track record? You know, it's funny you say that because I have to kind of go two different routes when it comes to trust. Right. So my institutional investors, the billion-dollar investors, they care mostly about what you just said, track record. Right. So I started on Wall Street helping billion-dollar you know, companies while I was at Goldman Sachs, Wachovia, and Deutsche Bank. So over a course of a decade, we built trust, and I worked at the biggest firms out there. Mm-hmm. Then once I left and I started investing my own money and, and becoming a, a technology investor, um, I, would, I would just give the answers away to other people and let them invest with me. Mm-hmm. So I was never soliciting people to invest or necessarily giving advice. I was saying, here's what I'm investing in, and here's why, and I'm willing to educate you if you want to do it as well. And so we all started investing together and making money together. And that's how I eventually launched my first venture capital fund with hip-hop artist Nas. And we called it Queensbridge Venture Partners. That's how we all got in business together. Mm, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now as, as, when you talk about athletes, you talk about entertainers, let's talk about athletes. Because entertainers, mm-hmm. are, their income comes differently than athletes. Because athletes' income right. tends to be tied to contracts with a short mm-hmm. period and guess what? If they can't play that sport, they really can't generate the income that they are presently or currently getting or may get in the mm-hmm. future. With entertainers, if you're an artist, you can go on tour, you can drop a label, you can perform in a movie, you can, you, you, you know, you can television series. There's a lot of different content mm-hmm. building ways. How do you approach those different relationships that I just laid out? The athlete who we know can get a short term or an amazing amount of money. Sometimes their money is guaranteed. Sometimes it's up front. Yes. But you know, you want it to be able to last beyond that contract. Those are different conversations mm-hmm. to have, correct? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. So the way I approach it is by explaining to athletes and entertainers how billionaires make money. And mm-hmm. it's very different than how athletes and entertainers make money. Absolutely. So the first thing I say is if you were to look at the tax returns, of the top 400 highest paid people in this country, and these people all made over 120 million last year, the vast majority of them, let's say more than 60, 70% of them, made all of their money off of what we call capital gains, where only you know 4% of them made it off of wages and salaries. Now, if you look at the athletes and entertainers, the vast majority of them make their money off of wages and salaries. 
So I said, if you want to be billionaires and invest like the billionaires, you have to have capital gains. How do you get capital gains? Buying an asset low and selling it high. So most of the billionaires aren't making billions off of a job. They're making billions off of their investment portfolio and the returns that they generate. So I said, we have to start there. I'm not going to give you advice on how to make your next movie or, or mm-hmm, how to shoot mm-hmm, free throws mm-hmm, and get mm-hmm. a max contract. You already good with that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take your 20 million to 30 million or 40 million, then I can help when it comes to capital gains and investments. So that's what I do. I normally just start explaining, educating them on what those opportunities are and then breaking down the risk and the return, right? So if you were to do a franchise versus a technology company, versus the S&P 500 versus bonds. What would your potential returns look like? How do you find the best opportunities? And here's the best part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. The best investment opportunities Mm -hmm. typically go to two groups. Mm -hmm. Number one, the top 20 venture capital firms, the Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia, Kleiner Person, Menlo. Mm -hmm. These guys make 95% of all their money in tech. But guess who the (laughs) second group is? Athletes and entertainers. Mm. They can get in any investment opportunity they want just Mm -hmm. based on their celebrity. Right. And they don't even know about it. How do you help them out? How do you get there? Because I know that you have a, mm-hmm. uh, on your Instagram account uh, that you do a, a, a financial literacy uh, just yes. curriculum. Talk about that. We have two minutes left. I, I definitely want to get that out because when you start talking about information, even I am adept and it blows me away. So I want to mm-hmm. guide people to find out how can. And also I want to get some posts from you so I can periodically put it up on my social media to let people know that they can get information from you. Okay. Well, look, I think the the easiest way I get it to them is by speaking to them in our language. The biggest problem is when you have like a 65-year-old white guy who only worked in finance trying to explain to a 23-year-old black dude from the hood who makes $25 million a year Mm -hmm. what EBITDA is and what a kager is. They don't understand that. Mm -hmm. So if you speak to them in the language that they understand, if you notice my Instagram post, I'm saying stuff like, what do NBA teams, record labels, and venture capital firms all have in common? Mm-hmm. How do you make mailbox money, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm talking to them in their language using real-life examples because even though I'm 39, I still consider myself young and one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and then the second thing is I'm actually a practitioner. I do this for a living. This mm-hmm. is all I do, except I'm also from the hood. I'm from the south side of Chicago and I'm mm-hmm. young and I'm black. Mm-hmm. So those are things that help me to relate to these guys and speak to their language. And mm-hmm. then I either take them on tours of Silicon Valley. I do conference wow. calls. Mm-hmm. I help them meet with their financial people, their managers. So it's kind of the blocking and tackling on a day-to-day basis. And, and the best part of what I do is I'm able to speak to brothers like you and get on your platform and help you and your listeners understand what we're doing over here. And then it amplifies what I'm already doing through partnerships like yours. So I'm very happy to be here, and I appreciate you guys inviting me. Well, first of all, I appreciate – first of all, it, it cannot be done in one interview, okay? Because That's the information right. that mm-hmm. you're delivering to me and delivering to people on a daily basis, tell them how they can reach out to you, how they can follow you, and all that good stuff before we wrap out of here in 20 seconds. Yeah, I'm uh, on Instagram, Rashawn underscore Williams. That's unlike your spelling. Mine is R-A-S-H-A-U-N underscore Williams. And I'm also RashawnLWilliams.com. And you can see all of the content, all of the events, and all of the uh, financial literacy stuff about tech. All right, my brother. I appreciate you. We're going to talk soon, okay? And send me that posters. <laughs> <laughs>